0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. All right, I'm back. Um, So so, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. So today, the the message is going to be a little different. We're not, it's not just uh, one person sharing. We're actually going to have, uh, we're going to invite you to coffee this morning. I brought my favorite mug from home, and this is my friend Dakota, and he also brought his favorite mug from home. And uh, Dakota, (laughs) so um, yeah, so Dakota has joined us this morning. Uh, Let's give it up for Dakota. This is a brave thing to do. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, so so Dakota is, leads our Celebrate Recovery Ministries on Wednesday nights at 6.30, right? Any, you want to share anything on that?
1: Yeah, Wednesday at 6.30, come as you are. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I love the ministry a lot, and uh, yeah, just come whenever.
0: Yeah, and it's 6.30 here forever, so, you know, just, just come. Uh, you can't miss a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so. So Dakota, you may remember a few months ago, he came and shared his story um, about addiction, preached on that. It was just really powerful, and so we're excited to have Dakota back. Um, One thing we're about at CTK is just leadership development, developing the next generation communicators, and so I'm just glad to have Dakota up here with me today. I'm especially glad to have Dakota up here today, given what we're going to talk about. Yeah, How are you feeling about what we're going to talk about?
1: Yeah, I feel you know, nervous. Nervous. Like, that's okay. We have a graceful crowd. Everyone's, them. everyone's
0: yeah. wondering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today, I think, might be one of the most challenging parts of this We Believe series, and that's the topic of the return of Christ. We're going to talk about the second coming of Christ today, um, what will happen, the end times, doom, doomsday, you know, all this you know, this thing that we all look forward to. Um, cause we believe as Christians that Jesus is coming back one day. We believe that Christ will return, that he will, uh, make all things new, that he is, he's coming back. And what we'll see today as we walk through the Bible is that this is a biblical reality, that if we have faith in Christ, we believe that he's coming back. And so, um, Dakota, we're in this together, man. All right. Yeah, we're right we're going yeah, to do this together. Yeah, let's do it. So to, so to frame our time, I want to look at our belief statement. This is uh, our church's belief statement on the return of Christ to help frame our time. It says that Jesus will return to the joy of all who believe. The hope and assurance of his return and judgment creates urgency, passion, and purpose for every believer. So as we walk through the Bible today, that's what you'll see. Um, you'll see this, this amazing event that's going to come and, and what it means uh, for us. Yeah. But I think, I think one reason why we might draw back a little bit is that this idea that Christ is coming back, the return of Christ, it can feel a little overwhelming. For us as we're going through life, like this idea that one day Christ is going to come back, the world will end, eternal heaven, eternal hell, uh, the great white throne judgment, you know, new heavens, new earth. You know, when you're going through your week, uh, buying groceries and taking your kids to swimming lessons and just trying to make it through, that can kind of feel disconnected. And Dakota, have you kind of experienced that,
1: that disconnect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like it's just easier to really not think about it. And really, you kind of focus on what you can understand and the specifics of that. So like your daily routine, like, oh, it's Monday. I have to do this. It's Tuesday. I have to do this. You're not like driving to work being like, man, the end of the world is going to happen. You're, just like, you're not thinking about that kind of stuff. And then when you do read Revelation, it's like reading Lord of the Rings. Like it's just, it's, it just seems like a fantasy. You just don't understand it. Like it just seems all over the place. But then you have to realize, like, oh, it's going to happen. And so I feel like, with when you come to think about not it, not the Lord of the Rings, not is the Lord happen. of the Rings is going to happen. The, Let me clarify that we're not we're not those people. Well, <laughs> we we believe that the Bible is truth, but it's just one of those things of you just don't think about really that often. You just think about your daily routines and uh, routines, and sometimes you hold it higher than thinking about really uh, God. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I think too if we if we've hung out in the church a lot, you can have what I would call end times fatigue. Um, It seems like there's a lot of the church that's focused on the end times. And, you know, we've had um, how many left behind books have been written, like a million uh, at least. Um, And, you know, there's movies starring like Nicolas Cage on the end times. I mean, there's there's a lot of of stuff out there. I mean, there's there's channels that are predicting when it's going to happen and, you know, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of noise around the end times. And I think what that can cause us to do, if you're overwhelmed by that noise, it can cause you to tune out yeah. and miss the heart of it. We can miss the heart of what God would want to communicate us about his return. And so today we're trying to get to the heart of, of Christ's return. What does it mean? What does it mean for us? What is it? And, um, you know, as I've thought about what, why, why is the end time so important, why is the return of Christ so important, it's that we all have a desire for hope in our lives. Yeah. We all have an inner need for, for hope that someday things will be better. You know, we've all experienced pain in our lives. We've experienced hardship. We've experienced all sorts of loss. And, and we're all holding on that, uh, that someday things will be better. And that's for the Christian. That's where we put our hope is in this return of Christ when he'll make everything new and everything right. But I think we live in a world that feels hopeless at times. I mean, just turn on the news. And if you watch the news long enough, you start to feel hopeless. Like, what is going on? Um, Last week ago, I was shocked when I watched footage and listened to audio of, of of the grounds crew guy at the airport who stole that plane. And was just flying around in the sky so nonchalant and then ended his life in a fiery crash on purpose. And it's this picture of hopelessness. Um, in fact, if you look at, at suicide in general, if that's an indicator of hopelessness, in just in Northwest Washington over the last 20 years, the suicide rates increased by 30%. And so this, there's this epidemic rising of hopelessness in our culture. Dakota, I'd love for you to just share where you see um, this need for hope.
1: Yeah, I, I see a need everywhere, um, including the church. Oftentimes, people just forget about spiritual warfare altogether. Um, you know, when you, when you kind of disconnect from your church and you kind of go away, that's when the enemy really just attacks you and hits you at all your insecurities and your anxieties and makes you believe a lot of things about yourself that just simply aren't true and you lose hope altogether. And so, um, yeah, when we're alone in our own thoughts without anyone to talk to, it can end in a bad result. That's why I stress the importance of vulnerability. You know, if someone asks you how you're doing, it's okay to say you're not okay. It's not, you know, it's not a foreign topic. Like if someone asks you like, hey, you want to get together sometime? I'd love just to get Get to know you, get to know that person, and really just be honest with that person. Because if you're not having a good time, if you're in a bad place, people need to be there for other people. That's what Jesus did. He simply showed everyone, like, this is what you're supposed to be like. You're supposed to be for every single person. Mm. And so that's why I stress it. So if you live in truth like God has called you to, the end result is joy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's there's a couple of verses that, that show us how we're... we're uh, how, what we're supposed to do about this, this coming of Christ. And, um, one is in first Corinthians fifteen nineteen, uh, Paul's writing to this Corinthian church. And he says, if for this life, we have hope in, if only for this life, we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Mm-hmm. So where's our hope church? Our hope is not that someday it'll be better here, but it's in this hope that someday Jesus is going to make everything right. It's that Jesus is coming and that what's here isn't going to be what's, what's there. Um, there's another verse uh, where, that you might know. Jesus says in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we're not supposed to be focused on building up our life here. It's, we're, we're supposed to be focused on investing. Uh, in heaven, and it's it's call to invest, and that really is a question of faith. Are you willing to to surrender the life that you're living now and pursuing all the good stuff for you uh, to invest in this this life that's to come? And if you, I mean, if you just consider the uh, the time span of both of those things, if you believe this, it's pretty um, it's pretty drastic. I mean, a lifespan here forty, sixty, eighty years. Compared to if we take a fraction of our time in heaven, like 40, 60, 80 billion years, right? And so so there's sort of this reality of what's coming that would be willing to lay down our lives here uh, in the here and now. But that requires faith. But for the Christian, the return of Christ is a realization of our hope. When Jesus left earth, uh, he promised this. This was the promise when he left earth. This is an axe. Um, when Jesus ascends to heaven, the disciples are looking up into the sky. This is after Jesus, you know, d- died and rose again, covered our sin. This is after the resurrection. And then he's, he's gathered his disciples and then he just ascends into the sky. And they're still looking up in the sky. And it says... And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So even as soon as Jesus left, there's this promise that he's coming back.
1: Yeah, and in the beginning of the book of Revelation, there is a promise of Christ's return. It says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood... And made us a kingdom, priests in his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. It's Revelation 1, 5-7. Jesus is coming back. It's a biblical reality that will affect everyone. Every eye will see him. Every tribe and earth will wail. It is really a day of reckoning for both believers and unbelievers. It's something we look forward to as followers of Christ. If we're not looking forward to it, we're missing something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like the way that um, Martin Luther, who's this big character in the history of the church, um, Martin Luther described it, it, it this way. There's two days in my life that are on my calendar. There's this day, today, and that day. The return of Christ. He said, the two days I'm focused on is this day, what God wants me to do today and that day when he will come back and make everything right. I think that's what the church, how we should live is that we we should focus on both this day and that day. And how does that day impact the way that we live here in this day? But before we get there, I want to talk about, well, what is going to happen on that day? And to do that, I want to look at 1 uh, Thessalonians, where Paul's writing to this group of young uh, believers, young Christians who are discouraged. And he's writing them a letter of encouragement. And what I find interesting is that um, the, the basis for the encouragement found here, all the hope and, and, and comfort that Paul has given, is all wrapped up in this second coming of Christ, that he will return. I will read this. says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who have, have died. Uh, For this, we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep for the voice of an archangel and with the sound of a trumpet and with, uh, sorry, I I skipped the line (laughs) Um, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Uh, That is a crazy scene. If you think about it, put yourself in that situation. Um, all of a sudden, all the dead are rising and, and coming, coming up in the air to be with Christ. And then we are taken up with him. And it's this, this amazing point of reunion um, where we are united with Christ and said, we'll be with him always. There's a lot of hope in that. There's a lot of hope that one day we will always be with Jesus. But the one word that I think describes this scene more than anything is joy. And, and I'd love for you to just share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Well, in that passage, I, I see joy in, in three different places. It's we get to be reunited with those in Christ who died. Uh, we get to meet Jesus. That's pretty cool. So cool. Yeah. Uh, and we're supposed to remind each other and encourage each other in hard times with this. See, Christians need to live with the perspective that joy is coming. One day we will be with Jesus and we will have joy. And some of you need to hear that today. Um, You will be redeemed and everything will be made the way it's supposed to be. Your disease, your hurt, your broken relationships will find healing in Christ. And there's often times where you kind of just go, when, where, where are you? Like, where are you at? I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting in that time. And it's, it's common. Jesus is like, he, he says it right there in the passage. And, and uh, most oftentimes our culture even overlooks the return of Christ because we actually have it pretty good. Hmm. I mean, we live in the most powerful country on earth. Most of us generally have enough food, clothing, and resources. We don't face any major persecution here. We can go to church without threat of prison. We can be a Christian without threat of violence or murder. So Friday nights we have... Um, we have this Bible study. Be prepared to laugh at this. And, by the way. You don't, they, why would you say that? <laughs> I just you don't give have people, to laugh. I want to give so, people permission. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. We have a Bible study on Friday, and I don't know how it came up, but I ended up just basically saying, like, I'm a Christian man. Like, I'm a Christian man. Like, just really like into it. Yeah. And I got so excited that I decided to run around Blaine on Friday night and just yell, I'm a Christian man! You know what I mean? Like, loud. And so if I woke you up and you live in Blaine, that was me. I'm sorry. But, you know, I was declaring it. <laughs> That's how we're going to reach Blaine, And right? It's how we're going yeah. to reach Blaine. The thing is, though, is I wasn't arrested for that. I can stand here before good you and, and sit. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah, thing. I'm not here in cuffs. You know, I'm like, I actually <laughs> could just be here and I could still talk. So that's the thing. When things are okay, when things are comfortable, it affects how hungry we are for God. It affects how desperately we seek him. We can settle for temporary joy. So that's the thing, is that we have, we can Go to Starbucks or go to Woods. and we could do all this stuff. And our, our manager complimented us. We're sitting back. And we're like, yeah, this is pretty good. This is not, you know, I don't, I don't think I really need to go to church today because I feel pretty good. And then we kind of just start leaning back and back and back. And then we fall. And that's the thing is that we need to learn that we can't settle for temporary joy when God wants to give us everlasting and eternal joy. Mm-hmm. And in that, that is his promise right here is that he is, he is wanting to give you eternal joy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do think I do think we're at a disadvantage when it comes to this longing for this joy of Christ returning because the truth is um we do have it pretty good here. Um more than any other place in the world, um we do have it have it pretty good. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's places places that are devastated. Um they long for God more than we do generally. Um I was at a uh i was at a, a presentation last week where a guy talked about where revival has happened in different parts of the world and he talked about that it, it always happens in places that experience loss and devastation and one of the places he talked about was this um inuit tribe in northern canada and he talked about how, at, at this tribe um how it, they had just reached this point of devastation economically where they didn't have you know like they were they were poor um they had uh they experienced this loss of caribou which was like their major source of food and, and income and all this stuff and because of the the ecology of the area all the uh-oh. uh hey is is my battery dying are we good Okay, all right, we're good, thanks. <laughs> um, because of the ecology of the area, um, the, the caribou had left. There wasn't enough food to sustain them. Um, but this town was just devastated. Um, there was rampant abuse. Um, the most sobering thing I I'd heard was that the, the teen suicide rate was at 50%. I mean, I can't even imagine that. And here's this tribe looking at, we may not have another generation. We may not have another generation mm-hmm but in that they cried out to God and experienced this amazing revival in their community because they were hungry for it and they cried out and 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 God did amazing things like he brought the caribou back you know and all these different things but you know we sometimes have trouble longing for that joy like like this tribe man they're they're excited about when Christ is going to come back, when he's going to ease the, ease the pain, take away the pain, we'll be reunited with God, and, and there will be this sense of joy. And so we are invited to live into that joy. Um, but here's where the return of Christ uh, can be difficult to talk about, and that's why we chose to sit down today, have coffee. Are you sitting down? Um, but the um, the idea is that Jesus is bringing joy, but also with the return of Christ, Jesus will bring judgment, and that's the other side: is that Jesus will bring joy, but Jesus will also bring judgment. And I want to look at this idea by looking at Acts seventeen thirty. Paul's preaching to a, a uh, audience that has nothing to no idea about who Jesus is. They're hearing all of this for the first time, and he says this. He said, "The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands." all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus, there is this time of judgment coming and and God is the only one qualified in this. We're not qualified in, in judging others, but God is qualified. But notice what he says. He, he doesn't say he's looking forward to this at all. He says he wishes that all people everywhere, everyone, to repent. Um, now, repent can feel like an aggressive word. But Dakota, maybe unpack what that word really means.
1: Yeah. And it comes in two factors. Um, realize you need God to save you from sin. We need to remember that God is the only way into heaven. That's just a fact. So we can't live like how we want and ex- expect a pretty result. I mean, honestly, he's called us to not only admit our sins to others, but to vocalize out loud, even though he already knows, our sins to him. So we can leave it there, pick up our cross, and move forward. Now, I can't stress that last part more importantly, is that when you repent and you give it to God, move forward. Pick up your cross and go forward. Because too many times, and I have said this before, is that we label ourselves as our addictions or as as our mistakes. So I'm just anxious or I'm just this person who just slips up all the time and I'm just this and I'm just that. But I want to let you know today is that Jesus came down and made a very important point that you are a child of God and he loves you. And when he took that cross, he thought of you and for your past and present and future mistakes. And so when you repent, leave it there at his feet, pick up your cross and move forward. And the second is realize you need God to make you alive. God can fill the Spirit with such joy, it makes you just want to tap dance, man. you going to demonstrate? Not right would now. Would anybody like I to see can, that? No, I'm going to do it after church in the Woo! parking lot.
0: Okay, a couple people. Why would you, you do that? No, you heard not. it here first, everyone.
1: Uh, turning over <laughs> something. Also, you need to turn over something that is keeping you back from God, and doing that is amazing. So let me address that first. There is nothing you can do that will turn God away from you. He made that yeah. clear when he showed the ultimate example of unconditional love. There is nothing you can do that will turn God away from you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Live in that. Remind yourself of that, because I, I get it. The world, the world is sometimes could be kind of a terrible place. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff happens. And in the course of a week, a lot can happen, a lot of tragedy. But I want you to know there is nothing you can do that will make God go, OK, that's it. I'm just going to look yeah. this way for a second. And then just like not turn back. No, he loves you and he's coming back and he's going to take you in his arms and he's going to love you. And I want you to remember that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there is this reality of the the Jesus coming back, bringing joy and bringing judgment. But God's heart is that we would all experience that joy. That we wouldn't, like, exp- you know, have, have fear for that day. But that repentance is just a, a simple agreement with God. Like, hey, I, I actually need a Savior. Like, I, I need somebody, not myself, to, to save me. And that's, that's really the heart of it. That's really what it means. So it doesn't matter um, where you're at this morning or what you've done or what your struggle is. Like, it's available. Mm-hmm. And so we have a choice in how we can respond to Jesus and the fact that he's coming back, um, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to make all things new. You know, we have, we have, you know, like Martin Luther said, we have this day and that day, mm-hmm. and we have a choice in how we can respond to those things. And so, as Dakota and I were, were preparing for this, we came up with three different ways. You know, we tried to kind of reduce like three different responses that we could we could have towards the, the return of Christ. And um, there are these three things: there we can live careless. We can live escapist, and we can live expectant. So I want to unpack what those are. Um, the first idea is that we can just live careless, or we can live like the world. Would you go, get into that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So kind of careless would, in a sense, just mean is you don't really believe or care, and you, you just the idea of Jesus coming back doesn't really have any weight in our lives. Um, and so basically, has anyone heard the term YOLO? YOLO. It's not YOLO. It's uh, it's YOLO, and it stands for you only live once, which is basically something that someone would say before they did something pretty dumb, you know? And so they would just say, you only live once. But it's kind of the world's answer to just kind of giving in to sin, in a sense. And really, if you look at what the world offers you, it's kind of just dirt, and it kind of just, it just falls apart in your hand. And, and it's really... You only live once isn't an excuse to do something dumb on this earth while you're alive, and then all of a sudden you're just, you're just dead, and then, oh, well, I only lived once, so it was kind of cool. It's like, no. Like, you only live once, so make this matter. Love people. Tell people about Jesus. Live in joy. Live in that expectancy. And then when you get to get to heaven, you get to have a cool mansion. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, I don't want to live in this world and do a bunch of dumb stuff and then be like, well, you only live once, and then just die. It doesn't make any sense and you're not you're not living for anything. Live for Christ. You only live once.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't really matter what you believe up up, up here, um you can still live carelessly. You can yeah. still believe in 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 your your brain that Jesus is real and this is going to happen, but the way that that is is reflected in your life is still living carelessly. carelessly. It's like you know, that idea of living in this day and that day, it's choosing to just focus on this day without any regard for, for that day. And, and God is calling us to live for both. Um, and I think too, um, some of us live carelessly by choice, but a lot of us, you know, a lot, a lot of people just don't know about Jesus. And that's our responsibility as a church to share the love and hope that's found in Jesus. Um, to let people know that they have a choice, that they, we're not facing um, judgment if we put our faith in Jesus. And uh, I almost think about it like, again, an image of if you knew in your heart that a bridge was out and you got there first, are you going to let cars just careen off the bridge? No, you're not. You're going to pull your car up. You're going to, you know, put your hands out and let people know. And I think, you know, that can be a scary thing, but really that's the most loving thing we can do is share this hope uh, of, uh, of Jesus. So there's this idea of, of living careless, but then there's also this idea of, of we can respond to Christ's return um, and live escapist. And I want to explain what this is. If, if living careless is just living in this day, living ex- escapist is just living in that day, just in the day to come. And sort of just living in judgment towards what's going on in this day, living with dis- disregard for what's going on this day. And, um, you know, there are times where we just kind of want to give up on the world. We want to give up on the church. We want just, to just give up. We're tired. People in our lives... You know, but that's not what God would call us to. You know, there's this, Jesus comes in compassion. We sang about this, this reckless love, meaning that, that um, he's pursuing us with abandon, that he wants us and God wants us to share that heart and not live in distance from the world around us. Not, you know, I've heard it called the fortress mentality, not just build my fortress, um, but to really reach out and engage the world. Uh, Dakota, maybe you can share a little more on that.
1: Yeah, uh, kind of a dramatic example, but e- Elon Musk, he literally wants to leave Earth. Uh, he wants to go to Mars, which is interesting. Um, and sometimes people kind of have that mindset, too. Like, wow, ugh, I just want to leave <laughs> Earth, you know? Set up and a colony. Yeah, yeah. right? You know, it's DK Mars. But the thing is, is anytime that you kind of get that mindset of just tired of, you know, humanity, you kind of withdraw in a sense and... I have I have done that. I've had that mindset where I just I just want to go to work and I want to come home. I don't want to volunteer at church anymore. I don't wanna I don't wanna to talk to people and then when I withdraw I, I isolate myself and then I kind of feel depressed and then mm. I feel anxious and spiritual warfare and the enemy hits on me in my biggest insecurities and then next thing you know I'm I'm not only am I pushing other people away, I, I kinda of start pushing God away and I push him out of the scenario and then I don't seek truth and I don't seek life. And so in this mindset of escaping, you're more or less just not just escaping people. You're escaping God in a sense because you're not seeking truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I, when we create that distance, we're basically um, standing in judgment um, instead of reaching out. And uh, Paul addressed this in Romans 2. Um, when he's talking to the church in Rome, he says this. And these are kind of strong words. <laughs> he said, uh, therefore, you have no excuse, O men, um, every one of you who judges... For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Things? Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? There's that idea of hypocrisy. Because guess what? We're all sinful. We're all, we all are imperfect before God. We all need a savior. And so Paul's saying, if you stand in judgment to the world, if, you're, if you've given up on others, you're, you're basically standing in self-righteousness. And, and Jesus would have you uh, run out to those people. To uh, You remember he said, Paul said, he wants all people everywhere. God wants all people everywhere. That's God's heart. And uh, sorry, I don't know what's going on with my my battery here. But um, yeah, that's, that's his heart for us. And uh, so we all are in need of grace. And, and when we forget that, we can live in distance to other people. And, um, but we all need grace. Just because we have the knowledge of the truth doesn't mean we're living in a way that God honors. You know? And it's, so it's more than that. It's more than that. It's receiving, constantly receiving this gift of salvation uh, through the blood of Christ. And and when we do that we, we don't have to fear judgment. We don't have to fear it. Um but yeah, we don't want to be guilty of, of uh of self-righteousness. Yeah. That's good stuff.
1: Yeah. So we about judgment?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh we, we don't know where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, grace. So no, I I, I think
1: yeah. we're gonna I know. Yeah. Right uh <laughs> right there, I think, huh?
0: Some yeah, something about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, sorry. Um wow, all right. This is fine. Um, judgment. Judgment. We're on judgment. Judge, I didn't yeah. want to be on judgment though. I do need some more coffee. I'm just drink take, some coffee. Take a drink of coffee right here.
1: Can you get a hand for Tyler, everybody. You're a great um, job. He's doing a great job, huh?
0: Yeah, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> um but yeah, I'd love, Dakota, I'd love for you to just share. You know, we've talked about living. Uh, living careless and yeah. living escapist. And, uh, you know, living careless is living in this day. Yeah. Living escapist is living in that day. Yeah. How do we live in
1: this day and that day? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that way is um, expectant, in a way. Oh, where are we at now? I don't think we jumped to the page. Man, we were talking about just, grace just and it, great man. stuff. Yeah. We were going to talk about expectant. And so the thing about living in both days is that we get to live with the fact that we know that God is coming back, and we get to live in that joy. And um, the thing that sometimes ties in with expectancy, and we can go over judgment, and we go over all this kind of stuff, is with grace. And so we have a quote from uh, from John Stott. You can get it up there, right up there. It says, Christians are sometimes criticized for being morbidly preoccupied with their sin and guilt. The criticism is not fair when we are facing the facts about ourselves, for it is never unhealthy to look reality in the face but only when we fail to go on to glory in God's mercy and grace and so why we talk about grace and why we talk about this is very important because we're expecting is that the fact that sometimes we hold ourselves back from realizing that we are loved by God and we are the we are the people who trip over ourselves because we convince ourselves that we are unworthy of God's grace we are unworthy of God's love We are the reason why he is not coming back. But he made it very clear that he is coming back. And he has a cup that is overflowing for grace Mm. for you. And I want you to know that once again, you are worthy. And God loves you. And he has such a passion for you. And he loves you. And it is okay to be I'm in a bad place. I am hurting. I am scared. It is okay to look yourself in the face. It is not okay to tell yourself that you are those things. Mm. Because he made it very clear that you're not and that he loves you so much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Living expectant is expecting that grace. Mm. Having the faith to expect that grace. And I want to share this verse uh, from 1 Peter, if we can get it on the screen. Um, but First Peter says, "Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you yeah. at the revelation of Jesus Christ." We we're supposed to prepare our minds for action here. That day would cause us to prepare our minds for action here, and that we would be sober-minded, and that our minds would be set fully on this hope, yeah. the hope that we will one day receive grace that that all of the pain and, and suffering that we've experienced here, all of the, the slavery to sin, um, when we believe in Christ and he sets us free, we can look forward to expecting that grace. Yeah. And um, I like this idea of being sober-minded. Uh, the Bible talks about being sober-minded in view of the return of Christ. And, and not just here, but in other places as well. And um, that idea of being sober-minded is that we can, on the flip side of that, we can be drunk um, just with a view of this day. We can be drunk in the, like, not, not literally maybe, but um, like on the idea that we're so consumed uh, with what's going on here, with life, with the, the busyness of life and, and everything we have going on that we forget that that day is coming. We can be so wrapped up in that that, that we can forget. We can be wrapped up, we talked about that, having a temporary joy. And forgetting the, the grander joy that that is to come, and so today I just want to encourage you guys. We don't have to live in fear. Uh, we don't have to live in fear. Uh, we can choose. We can choose to experience that return of Christ in joy, and and all it means is just is just saying, Jesus, I need you accepting that need for Christ, accepting that need for a savior. And that changes everything. And it it isn't just looking forward to a change to come. It's looking forward to change right now. And, uh, and so God would call us this morning to live expectant. And as the team comes up, I just want to pray, pray for our time as we, um, as we close this morning. Jesus, we, we, We are so humbled by you, just the the weight of you and and the idea that one day you're going to show back up, God, that you will come back to restore the world, to make all things new. And God, you say in your word, Lord, that all who are thirsty come and drink without cost, that you would call all of us to, to drink you in, God, to experience forgiveness, to experience the acceptance of you, God, so that we can live free. And Jesus says, there are, we're here today. I pray that you would grant each of us that freedom, wherever we're at this morning. If we feel like we're stuck, God, would you, uh, we, would you show yourself this morning, God? Would you allow us to cry out to you this morning, Lord, and grab onto that freedom. Jesus, would you, would you reveal to us, God, our need for you and help us to respond. Help us to respond, Holy Spirit. Lord, just show us who you are, God, that we may not, may not live in fear, um, fear of, of you coming again, but we would be brought into your joy because you, you call all of us to come. It says at the end of the Bible, the spirit and the bride say, come. You want to be with us, God. So, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, put that on our hearts this morning, Father, that we would reach out to you, God, that we would experience you, that we would be able to live for this day and that day. Not just in this day and not just in that day, but in both, God this day and that day. Lord, you've given us uh, life so that that we can share this truth, that we can love people, that we can be an expression of Jesus to the world. So I pray that if we need encouragement to do that, that you would give us us that, that you would push us out of, of our comfort zone, God, that you would allow us, God, the strength to reach out the strength to obey, the strength to take another step in our faith in Christ, God, because we believe, God, that you uh, you want us, God, to reach out. Lord, we are so thankful, Father, for your grace, God, the grace that covers everything, God, the grace that covers our sin, the grace that, that set us free because Jesus died for us, because Jesus took all of our sin away, and he's the only one worthy enough to do it, God. So, Lord, we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, it's just so good to be with you this morning. Uh, Thank you for doing this with me, Dakota. (laughs) Um, We're going to have the ushers come forward and receive our tithes and offerings this morning. If you need prayer, if you would like to pray, if you uh, would like to respond, there are going to be people up front and in the back.